Welcome into the bye week edition of Inside the Nest. It's a big 31-10 victory for the Owls over Wofford on Saturday night. And your Owl Network podcast crew here on ITN is going to break it down for you, discuss the season so far, and how our football alumni here in the pod, what they're going to do to attack the bye week, what they think the Owls should do as well. We're joined by Brandon Sutton, former Kennesaw State offensive lineman, Barkley Miller, former Kennesaw State defensive lineman, get a view of both sides of the ball. And then from the press box, Owl Network intern Jordan Griffith and me, Nolan Alexander, host here of Inside the Nest. Well, let's start out with the really good news, and that was what we saw on Saturday, 31-10, to 10, a straight-up demolition of a Wofford team that has had history against Kennesaw State. In the first two meetings, the Owls won by three and by seven. They were up by three in the second quarter, could have been up by more had they not turned the ball over in the Wofford red zone. And once KSU went up 10-0 at halftime and then started out the third quarter with one of those patented long Owl drives, Guys, this game was over. Uh, the Owls looked good defensively, looked good on offense. Special teams, I thought, had some improvements too. Shout out Nathan Robertson, Special Teams Player of the Week in the Big South Conference. This was the type of performance that we were looking for going into the game, right? Yeah, Nolan. And, you know, we talked about it on Saturday, but this was the first time that we really got to see Kennesaw State just separate themselves from their opponent. That's including last spring. It was really, really good for me to see uh, just from the Kennesaw State perspective, because that's something they struggled with, especially on the front sides of the ball on offense and defense. It seems like the offensive line from Kennesaw State, Will Nanafabu and the crew there, did a really good job of creating holes for Xavier Shepard, Nakeem Farrow, Mike Mike, all, all those guys, not to mention the B-backs who were just rolling. Kyle Glover eclipsing 100 yards. Shout out to him. It broke off some big carries, too. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, the secondary that seemed to struggle really heavily in the spring and the woes continued through the first two games against Reinhardt and Georgia Tech really made a statement against Wofford, who is transforming into more of a pass-first team and didn't really get busted anywhere. They had a slant where they were in man coverage and Spotsville was just a little – he was a step behind the receiver. They went for a big play. But, you know, in today's offenses, stuff like that's going to happen. You just got a recovery. And they did a great job of doing that, Nolan. Oh, yeah, and uh, building off what Barkley was just saying, the defense performance on Saturday was outstanding. We we saw a lot of good things coming off of the game uh, <clears throat> on Saturday night, and I just think it's going to just continue to help us build towards this, just what this 2021 season is going to be for these Owls. And, and from the offensive side, I thought we got to see what was truly our brand of Kennesaw State offensive football football on Saturday it was really nice to see just I saw a lot of shuffling up front from the offensive line uh senior Jake Lasseter I saw he got a lot of snaps at left tackle uh James Dawson played a lot at the right side and I just think that uh they helped build on what Barker was talking about just that cohesion the unity up front showing uh, <clears throat> we're starting to just be able to see who's going to be our our best group up front who's going to help us perform the best uh going out on each Saturday and I'm just I'm so excited to see how we're going to continue to keep building and building off of what we were able to put on the field on Saturday night the Wofford game I think me and Barkley were talking about this on the way up there but we want we wanted to have that feeling and really what that feeling is especially in college football is that you dominated in every aspect of the game we had yet to see that this season, obviously being one and one. We didn't really see it against Reinhardt because, you know, there were just a couple of things to button up. Georgia Tech was obviously a completely different story. But then we finally saw it. I kind of equivalent it to basketball 
you just got to see one go in. We knew Kennesaw State could do this. We knew that they could dominate from the word go to the very end, and that's what they did against Wofford. But we had to see it. And now that we could see it against Wofford, that is really where you start the baseline of how good this team can really be. All right, I've got a question to pose to Jordan and Barkley, okay? What was hotter, the Owls' rush defense holding Wofford to just 67 yards rushing or the radio booth at Gibbs Stadium? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with the Owls' rush defense because – First off, so impressive to hold them to only 65 yards. I don't know if you remember, Nolan, me and you looked at the live stats we got at halftime, and they were held to 54 total yards going into, I'd probably say, two minutes into the third quarter. So just so impressive. And to me, the press box wasn't too bad. I don't know about you guys. I mean, it was a little warm, but it I wasn't just dripping. Georgia Tech was a little bit hotter, in my opinion. No, no, no. It, it was it was definitely the press box. Uh, you guys were able to sit toward the front <laughs> where the window was open. I was in the back a little. I mean, not really in the back because it, it was kind of crammed there. But you know, with three three guys in there, Barkley obviously being the largest of us three, just crammed into kind of a small space. Not really much air conditioning. No, the press box is definitely hotter. The sixty-seven rushing yards for Wofford is monumental. Because does does anyone know the last time Wofford was held to that number, sixty-seven rushing yards, or anything else below that number? Any guesses? If I had to, if I had to guess, no one, just mm-hmm. based off of my little knowledge of Wofford, I would have to say probably the '60s from whenever they were probably running before they ran the triple option. I mean, they they've had a football program for a long time and have done a great job of building their program around running the football. So I, I don't see that being any time shorter than that. Be surprised. So, so 60s is a good guess. Um, the answer is I don't know. So in Wofford's game-by-game records, dating back to 1997, not a single team that held Wofford to 67 rushing yards or below, going back to 1997. That includes multiple FBS teams, including 2005 West Virginia, with Pat White, Steve Slayton, and that crew that went 11-1 and beat UGA in the Sugar Bowl. They held Wofford to like 78 yards rushing. So KSU defense did better than a Sugar Bowl champion West Virginia team did uh, when Wofford was running that triple option. I went back, and the the one for sure stop is 1987, because Gardner-Webb held Wofford to negative two rushing yards. I don't know what happened to the Terriers that day, but the, the Bulldogs, the running Bulldogs, beat the Terriers pretty bad that day. But at least since 1997, if not more, which is just a historical feat for the KSU defense. And in your your eyes, like Brandon watching the game, what was it that made the KSU defense suffocate that Wofford rushing attack? Just just from being able to watch the game, I I just feel like it was just a pure aggressiveness. Like we we were coming out, we were we were trying to do everything, stop the ball up front playing tight coverage outside. We were just doing everything we possibly could to be aggressive from every perspective of the defense side of the ball. And it was great to see. It was just showing that, yes, coming off that uh, Georgia Tech game, that the defense came out to work. It was really spectacular to see. Like, we were starting to see that that brand of defense and just the ability of these guys that were just, hey, we're coming off this, but, hey, we're right back in it. We're still trying to play for this FCS title. And, and it was just really nice to see that we were coming out and we were trying to get after that Wofford offense. 
Jordan and Barkley, what did you think about the play in the first quarter after Kennesaw State had turned the ball over for the second time? Wofford had the football inside the KSU 30, and literally the first play of the drive, Cole Loden steps in front of a Peyton Derrick pass for an interception. And in my eyes, I think more than anything, that set the tone for the defense of even if you get the ball at the plus 30, you're not scoring on us. I mean, we're, we're putting the clamps down in this ballgame. Nolan, you you hit the nail on the head there with setting the tone. To me, it defined the game. Not only did it define how hard and just the mission that this Kennesaw State defense came out on that field to play with that night, it, it did. It defined the game. It, it made it to where it's like, look, we know our offense might be struggling a little bit. They have some things that they're going to put together, but we're going to step up and we're going to we're going to bear the blunt of this Wofford Terrier team. And, and they did a great job of that all night, holding Wofford's offense away from the goal line. And it gave Kennesaw State's offense, like Brandon said earlier, time to gel and just really come into their own, which we've been waiting to see. And it's funny because before that drive, Kennesaw State's offense didn't look bad. They just had some miscues where they either put the ball on the ground. I mean, Obviously, Professor X got blindsided with that big sack, and that was credit to Wofford's defense. That was a textbook strip sack. But the defense stepping up and, like I said, just really making that statement set the tone and defined the rest of the game. And, and from literally the cold load and interception on, it was on site for Kennesaw State. They were They were ready to go out there and play. Yeah, and kind of going back to what I was saying about, like, see one go in Wofford couldn't do that they that just eliminates all of their confidence especially on defense when Cole Loden takes that one out of the air Wofford a team that you know we're talking about changing from the triple option slowly doing that throughout the years now it's you, you struggle for that identity you struggle for that go-to play that go-to guy because you're not really used to running this in the first place and then when Kennesaw State plays like that on the defensive end you don't really have anywhere to go and you kind of lose all of your confidence, whether they want to admit it or not. It's just, it's, it's human nature. It's just, it's tough to bounce back from that. And, and Kennesaw state just jumped on that and never really let go. Let's flip it over to the offensive side. Were there any stats that stood out to you that were highly indicative of the final score of the Owls winning by three touchdowns on the road at a SOCON team? Yeah, I have one, Nolan, and to me it was the first time since, I believe, 2019 that the Owls have had two 100-yard rushers. I mean, that that stat speaks volumes to me and was very indicative of how large of a win this was against the Wofford Terriers. Uh, personally, I think it's it's X. He went, uh, I believe it was five for six for 75 yards and two touchdowns in the air, and I, any any time we're able to just – get any air offense at, at being a triple option team. We know we're usually running the ball. And as Barkley was already said, the 200 yard rushers are just, just being able to have that and just only being able to put the ball up in the air that few number of times and still have that much success. I think that was a huge, a huge note to this game. And in those passes too, Brandon, the one incompletion, not the best pass from X, everything else was on the money, either a strike in the numbers when it needed to be, or he got air underneath it on the long pass to Mike Mike and let him run right underneath it. I mean, th those five completions were clinical from Shepard. He, he was on the money all day, just like you were saying. And and 
not just in the air. He was showing he could do it all with his legs, too. He was just trying to be a jack-of-all-trades on Saturday, and it was really great to see. He's, he's fitting more and more to the offense. He's getting more comfortable, and, and that's such a key factor in this triple option offense. The more comfortable you are, the more gelled in you are with the guys. The, just seeing him be able to build on that, it's just going to keep building and building and building and just uh, allow him to process, to continue to continue the process to be the best quarterback that he can be for this triple option team. And Jordan, before we get to your stat, what did you think about Shepard bouncing back after two first quarter turnovers and then to put together the type of performance that he did? I mean, if you want to talk about bouncing back, go back to the Georgia Tech game. Again, I hate to bring it up, but it speaks to his maturity. Again, as a sophomore, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. He didn't he doesn't run the offense like a guy who is in his early years here at Kennesaw State. He runs it like he has been here for six or seven years now and for just being able to reset completely. He looked like a completely different person, a completely different quarterback, a completely different thrower than he did the week before. Again, competition certainly does matter, but confidence does as well. And when you go down in the first half, or they didn't go down, but when you have those mistakes in the first half, like you guys were talking about, then having the confidence again to just come back and deliver in the second half and just continue to to step down on Wofford. It's it's pretty impressive to see this guy just pick himself up every single time when honestly a lot of a lot of student athletes just don't have that. And you see that in a guy like X, that is uh that's very valuable to keep around. Led a Kennesaw State offense to average five point five yards a rush. So all you had to do was hand it off two times, first down every single time. And that's Kind of what the game seemed like. Jordan, did you have uh, any stats that you thought, again, were indicative to a 31-10 win for the Owls? Yeah, you kind of just said it. I- I'm going to go with a basic one. And I know we love to talk about the triple option. 343 total rushing yards on the ground. I mean, I, I know it's triple option, but that is just – that's so impressive. <laughs> that is just so almost – I mean, you-, you could make the argument that if they don't have those miscues, they're knocking on the door at 400. That's – that, that's pretty crazy. That, that's not something even triple triple option offenses. That's still something that you want to talk about after the game. I think you're exactly and right. You and going ahead, Barkley. I'll tell you what it's not, Jordan. It, it's not boring, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Not in the least bit. In the game, Kennesaw State was 7 of 15 on third downs, which is way better than 3 of 15 that the Owls were against Georgia Tech. An immediate improvement, too, is getting back to the penalty rate that they had against Reinhardt. Against Reinhardt, just two penalties. In this game, three penalties. And remember how many times KSU jumped off sides against Georgia Tech and how that either allowed five yards for the Yellow Jackets or allowed Jordan Yates to kind of scramble and take a shot. Wofford didn't have that opportunity. And the Owls weren't jumping off sides, and they were getting pressure instantly on Derek or Wyrick in the backfield. And, I mean, we saw it how many times, Brandon, Jordan, and Barkley, that the quarterback stepped up and kind of ran for his life and just threw it away to the sideline. And, and yeah, that was I mean, great to see. And just, yeah, just being was, able to see. Go ahead, Barkley. I'm, I'm sorry, man. It, uh, Barkley's dialed in over the phone. We can see Brandon. So th- this this is on <laughs> Okay, This is an L on Barkley. It is. This. It is. I'll take it. I'll take it, too. Um so just so I can get this out, um, now I'll go back to being quiet. Um, yeah, it was great to see Brandon, and it was great to see Derek and Wyrick, both quarterbacks. It didn't matter if it was the more running side of the quarterback, 
just have no time and just have to make quick decisions. And I'll tell you who else that helps out, Nolan. That helps out the secondary. Whenever you're not getting pressure and not getting the quarterback off their off their mark, that gives these you know nowadays with these spread offenses, these all these receivers are so talented and so fast, and there's only so much a secondary can really do anyway. And it makes it even harder to play defense whenever you're not getting after the quarterback. And that's kind of the name of the game nowadays. So that helped out, and that opened up so many things. I don't know if you saw, but the KSU defense showed so many more looks in this game as well with either how the alignments were looking up front. They moved a lot more. They ran some stunts. They ran different coverages against Georgia Tech. They sat in cover three and cover four all day long because I think they felt like they had to. And then that made it to where the pass rush really wasn't hitting home. And those are huge differences that were just created from one fix. And that fix was, like you said, not jumping off sides and getting after the quarterback, which they struggled against Georgia Tech. Kennesaw State, a 31-10 winner over Wofford. Owls remain undefeated against the Terriers, moving to 3-0. and Moved to 2-1 and on the season, a bye week, and then Jacksonville State, October 2nd. So we will talk about Jack State more in next week's podcast and game week. We want to focus on the bye week and – uh, guys, bye week is a common opponent for me. I, I will say that is the name of uh, a flag football team that I had in college for a semester. Called ourselves the bye week. Thought we would just go undefeated and nobody would show up and play us. Um, it happened once. We got away with it once, and then they changed the rules, and we weren't allowed to call ourselves bye week the next semester. But just want to get that story out there. But wait, is that with, real? With the, no, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Called ourselves bye week. <laughs> it was three on three flag football. We were. Okay, I'll you know get a little dirt off my shoulders. We were, we were pretty good. That's a brilliant victory. Jordan, maybe you tried out here. Sign up for a flag football team here in your final semester with us. I know. I got some eligibility left. Coach Bo could use me, honestly, if he needs me. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll put that. We'll put that PSA out to the coaching staff. We'll we'll see if we get any responses to it. But uh, guys, coaches always talk about you know winning the bye week. It's it's a cliche. One, how do you win a bye week? But two, more importantly, given the state of this current team right now, how do you win this bye week and set yourself up for success for, one, a top 10 showdown against Jacksonville State the next week, and then consecutive conference football games? Well, first things first, in going into any bye week, you want to get a win the week before. That'll help you out most most of the time, no matter what. Because first off, that win will help you coast into the bye week with, one, a little bit of confidence, and two, it just helps helps the coaches feel a little bit more comfortable going into it. Because one, during the bye week, it's about one, getting rested up and trying to get anybody injured healthy. And two, it's about trying to get as much film time on the next team and maybe even someone going down the road because you have the open time and this is the only time you can do it. So just just with those things in mind, just going into a bye week, you're going to get a few practices here, and the coaches are going to try to give you as much rest, quote-unquote rest, as possible. And, and just having that, even though it is what seems to be a little early in the season, and with eight games following this, you, you want to try to make the most of it and get the most out of it that you can. Yeah, Brandon, that's a great point. And I, just to build off of that, I think that a bye week is different season by season. It's almost like an ebb and flow because the things you need to work on and focus on from one year to the next during the bye week is different. And this year, I think a big hitter is what Brandon said. These 
guys need to rest up. They need to get healthy. They need to get more bodies on the field than we saw against Wofford. I, I think that the number was 17 guys that were undressed or inactive against Wofford. I mean, big number there. Get those guys healthy. Get them back out on the field. It gives you your best chance to win against Jacksonville State. And then on top of that, it gives you more time to, instead of just going out there and having tough Tuesday every day and hitting each other and, and banging, you get to kind of work a little bit more film. You get to work a little bit more of where your eyes are supposed to be, the discipline, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And the offense can fix up the miscues that they've been having throughout the year. Uh, for, for a lot of reasons, I'm really happy the Owls got this 31-10 victory over Wofford on Saturday. Well, guys, before we step aside, take a break, and go to Jordan Griffith's Big South Blitz, anything else from the Wofford win and this bye week that y'all want to mention? I look for the boys to really just carry this momentum on to this Jacksonville State game. I think if they would have lost this game and on on the back of the Georgia Tech loss, it was just, you know, not not great. Not ex- It's not even that they didn't play well. They didn't execute great. And that's what they did really well against Walker. It's like JG said, it, it let them show that the shot will go in. So now I think that gives them a lot of confidence going into this Jacksonville State week that is huge, and it just puts them in a good mental foot. And I'm, I'm just going to continue off what Barker was saying. Uh, I, I think he's right. Just – having these guys being able to just take this week and just build off of what they were able to do on Saturday showing and just help them continue to buy into what the coaches are trying to put in front of them, the plan that they have for them and what they want them to be able to and go out there and do it's just this week and just coming off the Wofford win, it showed them that, Hey, we've made some adjustments. We made changes. What we're doing is working. It's working. It's not just working. It's we're excelling. We we can. This isn't the the top. We can continue to get better and better and better going on from here. So I'm just really excited to see how we're going to continue to go from here and what they're going to be able to put together this week and just how it's going to continue to build out football. Yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't speak on uh, on bye weeks given that I've had a bye week every week of my life since high school after <laughs> athletics was done for me. But I will say I am very glad that the bye bye week is coming off of the JSU game. That's all I'll say. Well, don't go anywhere. Coming up next, Jordan Griffith will bring us the Big South Blitz, and then. You're going to get a win and a loss at the end of this podcast, okay? The house may not be playing this weekend, but we're playing here at the end after Would You Rather, another round of fact or fiction. We'll see if we have a new leader. Barkley Miller, I believe, has the questions today, so he he, he won't be able to get the W. He's still going to sit there with nothing behind Caleb O'Neill. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll continue the scoreboard updates after this. First, the Big South Blitz here with Jordan Griffin. Today tastes like movie night. Okay, whose turn is it to choose? And everyone's favorite hit, pizza and Coke. Today tastes like front row seats for all. Like cushions and popcorn. And counting the seconds. Today tastes like a slice of the action. Like we belong here and now. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. At Fifth Third Bank, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Just look at our name, Fifth Third. 
Five-thirds equals 166.7%. So, according to the laws of mathematics, we are obligated to put 166.7% into everything we do. From our great customer service, to our security solutions, to providing you access to over 45,000 fee-free ATMs nationwide. This is banking a fifth-third better. Learn more at 53.com. Fifth Third Bank, member FDIC. What's going on, guys? Week two of the Big South Blitz. Thank you, Nolan, for that introduction. I am Jordan Griffith. We have some FCS scores to get to, as well as the Big South standings and those scores as well. Let's get right into it, but I'm going to be honest. Looking at the FCS, this was the week of the powerhouses. They rolled this week. Let's see exactly what that looks like, again, along with the Big South scoreboard update. And let's start the Big South scoreboard update with no other than Monmouth. They rolled Charleston Southern, their first conference game of the season for them. Monmouth rolls 41-14, to just flipped the score around. And Monmouth, like I was talking about last week, An offensive powerhouse, putting up 41 on Charleston Southern. Then looking around some other Big South scores, this one will turn some heads. Campbell, 72, Presbyterian, nothing. Campbell, 72, Presbyterian, nothing. I I, I don't even know where to begin with that score. And to round out the Big South, we got three other games. The last one I'm saving to be the last one for a reason. Starting with Hampton, they went 48 to 32 over Howard. Then looking at Gardner-Webb, this was actually another team I talked about. If you were listening to the Big South Blitzes in the spring, they had a very good offense. They were returning a lot of veteran players on that side of the ball. They went 56-0 over Lincoln PA. Again, maybe not the competition that you'd like to see, but certainly the score you'd like to see if you are a Gardner-Webb fan but the game to look for is North Alabama versus Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State a team that Kennesaw State is very familiar with and will get to know even better this upcoming week and obviously University of North Alabama a A A-Sun team. Jacksonville State squeaks that one out after their thriller win over Florida State the week before. They win 27 to 24 at home. That is Jacksonville State with the win. Big South standings, technically there's not really any standings to be had, but the conference season is starting. There's only a couple of teams who have actually played a conference game. Kennesaw State, going to get into that later in the season, but right now the Big South looking very heavy on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if you were to look at the Big South standings, you would see Monmouth at the top because once again, they played the only conference game so far. They played Charleston Southern like we just talked about. So they're at the top 1-0, and obviously Charleston Southern down at 0-1. Some other notable scores, you have North Carolina A&T down at 0-2, Robert Morris 0-1, North Alabama 0-3 right now. Tough for them, a 0-2 record at home. Hampton, Kennesaw State, and Campbell all getting wins last week. So it's going to start getting to the point where these teams are going to have to start outscoring each other. Maybe we'll see some lopsided victories, maybe not. But I think there's going to be a lot of points put up within the next few weeks here in the Big South Conference. And now looking around at the FCS, once again, the powerhouses dominated. You're looking at teams like North Dakota State, who absolutely run their opponent over. They beat Townsend by 35-7. to You look at some other games. North Dakota, they roll over Drake 38-0. But I want to talk about a specific team and a game that actually ended up being rather close when it really wasn't the entire stretch. We were monitoring this game during the radio call when we were playing Wofford. That's Kennesaw State, of course. Eastern Washington scoring 62 points, allowing 56 against Western Illinois. Eastern Washington, one of those teams that is creeping up the scoreboard every single week, putting up 62 against a team like Western Illinois. Yes, that game, again, wasn't really all that close. 
I don't get me wrong. I love defense. 62 points for Eastern Washington. Every single team was putting up major points this weekend. Eastern Washington just jumped out and, and got that lead. Now, just because most of the powerhouses rolled doesn't mean that was a consensus. Two very interesting games involving teams that were top ranked, James Madison and Weber State. Weber State also very familiar with Kennesaw State. James Madison currently sitting at number three in the poll. James Madison squeaks out a victory 37 to 24. That was a back and forth game. Again, that's actually reverse of the Eastern Washington game, whereas this game was back and forth and within one possession for a majority of it. A 37-24 win for James Madison and another very close game that a top-ranked team barely squeaked out. You're looking at Villanova winning 34-27 over Richmond. This game happened, I think, before the Kennesaw State game kicked off and Villanova ranked at number 11 right now but again looking at all these FCS teams a lot of them really rolled Southern Illinois Eastern Washington North Dakota State North Dakota shut out Drake once again South Dakota State Sam Houston all of them getting wins this past weekend and just doing a good job keeping the FCS clean always good to see good games among the best of the best games like James Madison versus Weber State we just talked about that one but a very close game not exactly just a role from a dominant James Madison team. They're currently ranked at number three. Weber State down at number 14. Weber State now one and two on the season, but I'm sure that will change in no time. A very good program over there. But I think that just about covers it. FCS Big South scoreboard update. This is the Big South Blitz. I'm Jordan Griffith. Thank you so much for listening. Let's hand it back off to Inside the Nest along with Nolan Alexander, myself, Brandon Sutton, and the man in fact or fiction seller, Barkley Miller. We know you're concerned for your health, but rest assured, we are here for you. Our hospitals, health parks, and offices are open and taking every safety precaution so you can get the care you need. Wellstar, more than healthcare, people care. Welcome back into Inside the Nest. Enjoying the bye week for Kennesaw State football. 31-10 dub over Wofford on the road on Saturday. And then October 2nd at home against Jacksonville State. I don't even need to give you the plug about tickets because you should, one, already have a ticket. Or two, you should have already been on KSUOwls.com slash tickets when you heard this podcast and was reminded, hey, Jack State, 3 p.m. Saturday, October 2nd, better be there. So let's kick off the most intriguing part of Inside the Nest. Would you rather with Jordan Griffith? All right, guys. Got a very good one this week. And I also have a follow-up question to it, depending on which one you answer. Okay, so would you rather be able to listen to one song for the rest of your life or only be able to watch one movie for the rest of your life? And whichever one you pick, I want the song or the movie. Uh, that's a good one. I'll go last as, as per, per usual now. All right, does it have to be one movie? Can it be a series? No, one movie, man. That's it. (laughs) You're trying to trick me with Star Wars. That's not happening. (laughs) I think I have my answer. Okay. I I think I'm going to go movie, and I think I have to go movie because I could sit there and watch Remember the Titans over and over again for as long as I want. But I love music way too much just to only listen to one song for the rest of my life. I'll go next to give Sutton some more time. 
And I have a similar answer to you, Barkley. I listen to music way more than I listen or I watch movies. Um, and I was going to say Remember the Titans, too. But... I'm going to say... I'll say one of the Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe the first one. And the only reason I say that is... Every time I watch that movie, I get like a new joke that makes me laugh on it. And if I'm going to watch one movie for the rest of my life, it can't be action because on like the hundredth time I'm going to get bored. And even if I know the jokes that's coming, it's going to get me in a good mood. And I'm, I, I've got to be in a good mood watching a movie the rest of my life. So it can't be scary. can't be drama. can't be action. Got to be a comedy. Okay. And, and I'm going to go away from them, JG. I'm going with a song. And... The song, uh, it may not add up and make sense, but I feel like it fits any situation no matter what. It's a Millie by Lil Wayne. It's perfect. Get me through my everyday life no matter what. Fits every situation, son? Yep, every single situation in life. You're stuck okay. in traffic. Yep, a Millie. Perfect. Bingo. Got it. Uh, phone broke. You're, you're phone dropped in the toilet. The aisle. The, the, I will play that at my wedding, sir. Do not cry. <laughs> Hey, it, hey, maybe we can uh, take over the DJ stand at Barkley's wedding next year and uh, first first dance for Barkley and Brittany. Amelie, <laughs> <laughs> You've just spoken it into existence, Nolan. Oh, man. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Sut on this one. I am just too big of a movie buff. I love movies. Uh, I love, you know, I've watched... This is a weird. This is a weird thing to bring up. I just got done watching King Kong versus Godzilla for like the fifth time. I mean, I, I'm a big movie fan here. And I also love country music, as I know Barkley knows. So I'm gonna go with the song. And if I had to go with this song, it would be "She Thinks My Tractor Sexy" by uh, Kenny Chesney. And then that would just be for the rest of my life, and I would be okay with that. Also fits any situation. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, can you stop playing into the Kansas stereotypes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's actually funny about that is my backup was Flyover States by Jason Aldean, which is literally him singing about, <laughs> about country states. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, that, Jordan, that was a really good would you rather. I, I like that a little bit more than the, the toothbrush and the underwear from last year. <laughs> okay barkley miller he who has zero on the scoreboard in fact or fiction what is what are the two statements that we have to decipher between this week okay so i know that i'm still gonna be zero behind c dog o'neill who shouts out had a huge touchdown this past weekend against wofford um but fact or fiction right number one Golf is the only sport to have been played on the moon, and that includes tossing a football, tossing baseball, anything. So that that's one. And then the other one is newborn babies can't drown because their windpipes close in response to being submerged. However, that reflex disappears at one years old. Which one's fact? Which one's fiction, guys? Like I'll go first. Okay, I like. Yeah, that. I'll go first. Okay, I think the second one's true because 
you just straight up read that off, and it seemed like that's a fact that you you went through and read. And you see these aquatots things now. Like it seems like these babies are out of the womb for a week, and they're just tossing them into a pool. Uh, so I'm going to go with the second one being fact. The first one's fiction because they jogged on the moon. Like th- they got up there and they jogged. That's a sport, Ooh. okay? That's 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 cross country. That's running. It does, you don't have to run fast. I don't run fast. I probably jogged the same pace that they did on the moon. So the first one's fiction and the second one's a fact. I'm agreeing with Nolan just because I felt like that I felt like you just read a medical definition of something. Like I, that was that was that sounded too real and I just felt like and then the first one, uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I'm just, I, I'm going with the second one because I think babies are smart. That's my logic. See, now for me, uh, I, I also am going to go with you guys. Listen, I would love to just go to the moon and just hit nukes off the tee box. But <laughs> I just, I, you were just so specific and so concise with the second one. Just your delivery, I think, gave it away. Or else all three of us are wrong, but I think that, that's what I'm going with as well. Man, I thought you guys knew me better than this, especially Brandon. Look, as many of you know, I'm a salesman by trade, right? So <laughs> what I can do is I'm pretty good at manipulating things to how I want it. You guys are all wrong. And on top of that, if I was going to know a fact, it was going to be a sports fact. And I actually, I didn't have to look this up. I knew this. Golf is the only sport to have been played on the moon. In 1971, Alan Shepard hit two golf balls on the lunar surface with a makeshift six iron. Newborn no, babies. No, no, they jogged. They jogged on the moon. They took no, steps. That was no, active. No. Power walking. Was on, even to, but, but even, even cross country is a race. Like, they didn't race. They were just leaping around, having a good time. And then the newborn babies thing is not true because that reflex disappears at six months old, not a year. Semantics, I say. Wait, hold on. We did race to the moon, and we won. Ooh. (laughs) That's racing to the moon. That's not a a Uh, sport performed on the moon. That's a fun little fact that you guys will have for the rest of your life. I'm going to request a win from that statement I just made. Uh, I, I think it's still L, man. We need a commissioner. <laughs> you know you know what? <laughs> Barkley, you're exactly right. We should have thought that you would have done some tricks like this knowing that you're in dead last place. Oh. And you've got to find an opportunity to get on the leaderboard next week. <laughs> hey, look, look. It, I only got one thing to say, and this is one of Sut's favorite things. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? But I wasn't even cheating. I just I just manipulated the rules in my favor. Mm. I feel like there's a loophole in there somewhere. Mm. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels tarnished. Mm. <laughs> it feels tarnished. <laughs> All right, how about we just give Barclay a negative point for that? <laughs> a negative point for giving a good fact in fiction? I, I, don't, I don't understand this. I, I, I don't. I don't agree with this at all. Okay. Hey. Hey. We're gonna leave it up to the audience. You, the listener, decide. Let us know. What should we do? Should Should Barkley get a negative point? Should we keep the scoreboard as it is, or should we get a win and get a point for winning the race to the moon? Representing <laughs> U.S. of A. <laughs> Appealing right. to the audience's American spirit. I, I like it. Well. 
guys uh had a lot of fun despite this nonsense by barkley miller at the end but what goes around comes around barkley okay just like i always said in the broadcast ball don't lie podcast don't lie man it's it's coming back it's coming back so i got one word no two words no three words <laughs> this is what you did saturday <laughs> little reference to the broadcast if you are, you guys were listening to the radio call <laughs> we look forward to seeing you at the bank next Saturday, October 2nd against Jacksonville State uh, podcast crew follow at y'all next week as we get ready for the Owls and the Gamecocks 